Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And we are getting into a really, really juicy, dirty, gritty one tonight, Jane. <laughs> You're a bit excited about this one, I can tell. Is this wrong? It's because I've got so many fantasy characters in my head that I'm in love with. <laughs> Well, tell the topic so people know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, so I hope my husband's not listening to this, but uh, the topic is, the topic is, do you want to have an affair? Are you having an affair? Have you considered an affair? Are your friends all having affairs? Let's look at extramarital affairs. Oh, interesting, isn't it? Do you know, there was a recent study that came up from the US that said on their online dating websites, it's believed that greater than 51% of the people on the websites are not single. Now, I believe that here in Australia, it's very, very similar. I can't see it as being any different. I can tell you what it is because it was in the Sydney Morning Herald, the SMH, what's that? Sydney Morning Herald, two weeks ago. It said 34% of Australian women and 32% of men are having an affair. Now, that's reported, but that's one in three. Reported. Reported. What's going on here? It's normally secretive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, it's interesting, isn't it? And again, I actually recently had experience with uh, two people I know, both of their, they're both women. They both discovered that their partners were cyber flirting. Now, they didn't know if they were actually having full-blown affairs or not, but they did know that there was some flirtatious emails going back and forth. And before everybody assumes that these people went looking for the evidence, they didn't. That was an open account that they used to share and they got a bit of a shock. So they both came to me and said, you know, what do I do? What do I do? And uh, and I talked them through this and we'll, we'll get more into what I did to help them get on the same page again and not actually have it go through. But the good news is they're all back on the same page. So all four people, the two couples are back on the same page and perhaps their marriage is stronger than ever. So you can survive an affair. You can survive flirtatious, flirtatious behavior or flirting. But I think we need to look at why does it happen in the first place. We can definitely survive affairs, and many, many marriages have. Thank you, um, Monica, and no, not who, Bill and Hillary, and you oh. know, well, I'm thinking <laughs> <laughs> publicly and privately. Yes, okay. But yeah, Jane, we absolutely. It's you and I. We need to ask the question: Why are people craving other than what they have? Where does it all begin? Childhood, okay. childhood. <laughs> Go on, James. Well, I'm actually, well, let's start with the where are they at in the moment when they decide that, you know, they want to sort of start actioning something that may have been fantasy. It is completely normal for people to have sexual fantasies about other people. I personally don't have any problems with that. I think that's just a healthy way of living. However, it starts usually with going out, and I'm going to use, I'll use, women in this scenario but it's it's both genders but it starts with going out usually with your own gender so you go out on a girl's night you go out on a boy's night and you're having fun and you meet some of people of the opposite gender and you start flirting and they start flirting back and you start to feel good about yourself perhaps for the first time you're feeling desirable sexy and that's a feeling that makes us feel great and you know it's hard to always have that in a long-term relationship there are times that you know your partner's seen you at your worst. If they've seen you at your best, sure, but they've often seen you at your worst. You're busy. You've got every bit of domestic life going on. Yeah, the kind of sexy, the desirable can disappear. So we start to seek it externally. And then as we have that feeling come to us of, wow, this feels really good, another girl's night, another boy's night's plan, same thing happens. I have rescued many women from 
crossing that line. In fact, there was one night I was at a girls' night quite a few years ago and uh, we were just chatting with, I think there was some uh, golfers that had arrived from interstate and it was all just, you know, I'm really not into it, but it was a fun night. And I knew that this girl was not feeling connected with her husband. She'd been trying to get on the same page. They were doing the work, but they weren't there yet. And this guy, I watched her face light up. She was so into this so much. She proceeded to then deliberately, I believe, whether it's conscious or subconscious is irrelevant. She then went and drank a lot more and she was going home with him. And I said to her, you know what, honey, if you want to do this, that's absolutely fine, but you're going to do it in the broad daylight consciously aware of what you're doing with no alcohol in your bloodstream and in the meantime you're getting in this taxi with me and we're calling it a night and going home now the next day I got the massive long text that was, you know thank you thank you thank you I nearly made a great big mistake blah 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 it's so powerful in that moment that validation that this is going to make me feel great it can be very very hard to pull away from and I don't even think, I, we always blame everything on lack of self-love, but you know what, often it's not because there's perfectly happy, healthy, balanced, normal people out there, sometimes in pretty good relationships, but maybe they've been in the relationship for such a very, very long time. They've, you know, they're kind of, it is a bit of that grass is greener. They're wondering, do I still have it anymore? Or I just need a little bit of a thrill again. I haven't had a thrill for, you know, 16 years or, you know, it's those kind of feelings too. And also from a spiritual point of view, and this is where it gets really, really sticky and I could get controversial, but I've got to put it out there. We are surrounded by karmic relationships with souls, soulmates and soul family. And when somebody pops up, on our, on our path, we often have to deal with them in a certain way. Now, if that soul presents as somebody that you had a past life with married to or a lover, there may be pre-existing chemistry there. You may have a partner already and, and you, then all of a sudden somebody's come in into your reality who is, you are so magnetized to and you have no explanation for it. And this happens. And this often happens when the universe wants us to play out a bit of something. Now, I didn't say a fair, but the universe may wish you to be Magnetize to that person because some kind of conversation, healing, interaction, gift or learning does need to take place. And, hey, we learn from these things. This is all about learning. This is all about learning. Jane, do you tell your partner or not? No. Clearly, no. You know, people who want to dump their stuff on a partner and cause that partner incredible pain is really, in my opinion, incredibly selfish. It is about wanting to release you of your guilt and in turn project that guilt onto somebody else that is now going to be deeply, deeply hurt. Now, having said all that, I also think that there are people in this society who have been brought up by this society in the shallowest place possible as in we are a quick society, we move fast, we think fast, we get bored, we change our mind, we channel surf, we jump from one thing to the next. And if you don't give stuff a go and if you're a drop at the minute, it doesn't seem to be working type of a chick or a guy, you know, you're just really modelling to people or to your own children, oh, when stuff gets too hard, you just give up or you just change it, you know. And those as well aren't fantastic values necessarily to be carrying because, you know, when we do look at marriages that can and do last for decades and decades and decades, well past the gold and the diamond, you know, anniversaries, um, 
those people, if we were to sit them down and interview them, maybe we should be doing that here, Jane, would, would, and they do say that, you know, the, the amazing growth and the amazing bonding that happens through layers and layers and levels and levels of history with, with the same person. Is incredible. And yes, you'll go through faces where you hate each other, faces where you sleep in different beds, faces where maybe you had affairs, all kinds of different faces, but there'll also be faces in in those marriages of there were times that we were so passionate we couldn't keep our hands off of each other or when somebody died and we clung to each other and there was nobody else and nobody has ever understood me the way he did because he saw me in my biggest moments of pain in his lifetime. And when you package all of that up together, it really does show how living it out with one partner is one of the most tremendous and worthy and fulfilling things you can do and the studies show you live longer you live longer yes yes you do absolutely look you know it's interesting a lot of those stories that you just just touched on there is what I actually spoke to these two people who had found their husbands cyber flirting I said here's the time for you to both sit down and have the conversation about what is our world what is it that's important both of them were married with children various different ages, one lot had adult children, one lot had had younger children. What would it look like if you were to have an affair? Would this actually cross a boundary? Would our marriage be over? Do you want to be with me? If you don't want to be with me, here's what the new life is going to look like. Going with eyes wide open. So if you're going to have an affair, understand that there is a risk that you may lose your partner. So you've got to be prepared to pay potentially the price. So by understanding that, you know what, now Christmas days with children are going to be split. Birthdays are going to be split. Holidays are going to be split. You're likely to have one week on, one week off or whatever your arrangement would be with the children. What is it going to feel like that you only now get to spend 50% of your time with your children? What is it going to be like to not have a man or a woman in your life who you can talk about the conversations of remember when we got married or remember when we met those people, remember that dreadful time that we went through and how we got through it, the history that you have together. You will not have that person to talk to anymore. What will it feel like to actually not have somebody next to you that actually does still love you even when you're having your bad hair days, your periods, your, 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 your whatever, you know, you're, you're having your hormonal horrible moments in life. There is that, all of that will be gone. What about the extended family? What about the friendship groups that are going to be potentially split? What does it really look like if this marriage doesn't continue? Now, for many people, and I'm not actually a moralist, I'm more of a statistical person. What does it look like to most people if a partner has an affair? For many people, that is the marriage is over. So go in eyes wide open that if you're going to have an affair, that is what you're risking. Now, is it worth it? Most people will actually come back to, actually, it's not. When I really look clearly at everything I could potentially lose here, it's not worth it. Now, that's the logical mind taking charge when you've got a physical and an emotional pull in a direction that could cause big damage. So there's going to be people listening who are considering or are in a situation right now where they could cross the line and maybe send some signals or inviting things to somebody that they know is on the sidelines right now. In other words, they're possibly quite tempted to have an affair. Okay. So, Jane, they're going to want to know this. They're going to want to know, is it ever possible just to have your little dance, stick your toe in the pond, do a little bit? Sure. Close the door. Plenty of people that have done that. Come back, like you said, not tell. Can that really work? Yes. Do we encourage this? (laughs) It can. I don't encourage it because you don't know if you're going to pull it off. You just don't know. 
So I don't encourage it, but yes, you can. But you're not going to know if you've pulled it off until you've done it. So it's Russian roulette in my mind. It's Russian roulette because then you're not going to know if you can pull it off unless you try it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Absolutely. I think that a healthier way is to look at what are your boundaries. And everybody has different boundaries on this. You know, what is flirting? What What is cheating is a really interesting one. People will have a lot of different answers to that. My perfect line is that anything that you write, because, you know, it's so often it's on Facebook, it's, oh, I'll just look up that old boyfriend that I haven't seen for 20 years and then we'll start a bit of cyber flirting and the emails are going back and forth or whatever. Or whether you've just put up a fake profile as we touched on at the beginning on a, on a dating website and I'll just, you know, flirt with some gorgeous hot girl or guy from the other side of the world. Anything that you are doing that you are not happy for your partner to see, in my opinion, is cheating. Good definition. You like it? Yeah. And remember that whatever you do online, it can never be deleted. You think it can be, it can't. It is always out there. There's always a computer that can pull up an old conversation some way. So it's about crossing lines. Now, there's two things here. So what we've done a bit of talking about here is helping you if you're in that moment of temptation to have firmer boundaries to not cross that line. But what if you have crossed that line and you've got away with it? Now, are you then tempted because that line's been crossed? Do you keep crossing it? Or do you need help to have re-established new boundaries? So if you've got away with it, what does that mean? Does that mean that you have had an affair, you've had your love bucket filled up, you've had your sexiness filled up, you've had your desirability validated, um, you're not continuing with this person any longer. It was whether it was one night, one week, one month, whatever, it's over and done. Have you learnt from this that you can obtain this externally or have you learnt from this that it actually wasn't as hot as it seemed? Because you know what, I'm sorry to burst your bubbly if you're currently fantasizing about a real life person, but they fart, they pay their taxes, they pick their nose. I'm sure they've got habits that would drive you up the wall. And I want you to perhaps listen to an episode we did, I'm not sure, was it three or four weeks ago about the four stages of a relationship? Have a listen to that episode because that talks about that first honeymoon euphoric stage. And in an affair, that's actually all that you're mm. wanting. You're Love actually, blind. yeah, you're actually not wanting to go any further. Now, what happens if you have an affair and one of you becomes more attached than the other? You can't control this other person. There's two people in this affair. So while you think you can control yourself about not telling your current partner, what about the other person? What if they get into you more than you're into them, and they're now going to step in and self sabotage the relationship that you've got? You know, now we've got the creepy stalker happening. The bunny boiler. We've got, oh, we've got the person that's now going to blackmail you in not multiple ways. Yeah. You are making yourself so vulnerable to a toxic life. So there's some incentive to think about if you got away with it once, are you going to get away with it a second time? You don't know. There's been actually an influx of um, articles and dialogue about this. In the last couple of months, I've been seeing in everything from your weekend glossy lift out magazines to books that have been released very recently, about three different books all on this same topic. What they're actually saying is, is the institution of marriage unrealistic because it was originally formed way, way, way back in a time when, first of all, women were property, women came with dowries and money, there was social status to be, you know, there were allies to be formed through marriages, people didn't live as long, you might be lucky to live with your partner for 15 years into, into good old age. These days we're living forever. You could be with your partner for seven decades. 
is that kind of relationship actually sustainable? Now, of course, I think we know there's arguments on both sides of the fence because plenty and plenty and plenty of people have done it for seven decades. And, you know, I, w- I was at my grandparents' diamond wedding anniversary and I still remember it to this day. I was very little. How beautiful. Yeah, but there we were. So, um, and actually, see, my grandparents met when they were 16 years old and they were one of those couples that had a genuine sweetheart love their entire lives. And when I used to go stay with them and they were in their 80s, they'd get up in the morning and kiss each other on the cheek and say, how are you, honey, and call each other boyfriend and girlfriend. Now, how cute is that? So, I mean, this kind of love absolutely rubbing each other's butts. And- <laughs> no, they saved that for the. No, I didn't see that. Didn't see that. Um, and, you know, this is a really old cliche, but it is so true about the whole love as a garden thing. You have to tend it, you have to nurture it. You know, you've got to keep it going. It doesn't just, if you just let it going, weeds will come up and stuff will just die and fall over. And, you know, you've got to keep going into the garden all the time. A relationship is an ongoing working, you know, it's something that you have to dedicate yourself to and I know that doesn't sound fun and I know that doesn't sound sexy, but the long-term results of that are so soul-fulfilling. Okay, so what do you think, Jane, about are we actually meant to be as human beings? Do you think we were ever primarily, originally meant to be paired for like this long? Is it possible? I don't know. I'm open on this one. I followed a couple of different uh, relationship um, psychologists in the States I followed a lot of their work and there's quite a few of them that say, are suggesting that maybe future, that the evolution of our relationships will be where people will pair up to have children and that they will have an, a commitment to stay together for the upbringing and raising of those children. And then when the children are at adulthood, their job is done and then whether they choose to stay together or not is open to discussion. Now. I actually don't really buy it. I can get the theory. <laughs> are they all unmarried? Are they unmarried miserable or are they? <laughs> I don't know. I don't buy it. Look, I think we're all here for an individual journey. Um, our journeys are to grow, to experience life, and we do that most by interaction with other people. So whether we choose to do it with one person and we're going to get it continually, we're going to grow and change and learn as each of us do, or whether we do it with many different partners, I really don't think it matters. I think it's an individual choice as to which way you choose to go. And this goes back to my karmic soul talk stuff because I do think, you know, we come down to earth as souls to play out and often pick up where we last left off from very deep relationships with certain souls. And you generally have to give those quite a few years to unfold to their full extent. You know, sometimes we can absolutely get little gifts and little hits from people that we only meet for a short time in our lives and their job is done and they fall away and we move on. But I think when it comes to the nearest and dearest, the people that we are the most intimate with, they're usually the most special souls. And yes, they're hard to get along with because they're the ones who put up their hands before they come down to earth and they say, I will be the one that sometimes delivers you the most pain. I will be the one who presses your buttons or pushes you hard so that you can get the gift that your soul needs to get in this lifetime. So yeah, I think often relationships do need to go for quite a good long slog. So don't run out when it gets too hard. You're only going to go meet someone else and repeat that pattern until you get the gift. That's the thing is that if you choose to exit from a particular partner for whatever reason, you've got to make sure that you've got the gift from that relationship. Otherwise, it's going to be repeated in the next relationship. And maybe it came in the brick form with your first relationship relationship and if you don't get it you're going to get it in the sledgehammer form in your next relationship this this podcast i think is for people that are in a long-term relationship that are wanting to continue it 
as a long-term relationship. So there's no judgment from me of whether someone wants to stay in a relationship and have loads of affairs or they want to stay in a relationship and not have affairs or they want to have multiple relationships. It doesn't, I'm not sitting here as a moralist saying what someone should or shouldn't do, but this advice is for people who are in a long-term relationship and are feeling that there has been an affair or there could be an affair or there's a temptation to seek validation externally. And what can we do to help you to not move into a high-risk area where you could end your relationship as a result? So this is the advice of how to move through this danger point so that you can potentially continue your relationship much longer. Now, Jane, the one thing we haven't even talked about yet, which is at the bottom of all of this, is trust right? Trust. So I just think, you know, (laughs) trust. (laughs) What's happened to our modern definition of trust? Do we still have an intact definition of trust? Do we really mean what we say when we actually say our marriage vows? Divorce rate's 49%. It's high, isn't it? Yeah. It's very high. And often people can't even trust themselves, let alone another person. You could be married to someone for a long time and still not even really have you know, you're not even really trust them at a deeper level. And again, there can be mum and dad stuff in there. There can be, you know, past hurts or bad experiences we've had where we got burnt by the opposite sex. You can actually be with a partner, married to a partner for a long time and still never really let them in to your deeper emotional Absolutely. self. Look, I actually, I loved my wedding day. I loved my wedding vows. I'm not a fan of them. I don't see how at whatever age we are, we can know what the future holds. How can we promise something when we don't know how we're going to grow and change? Now, I am, I'm going to say blessed because it's what I choose to have. I am in a, a marriage that I've been together with my partner for 19 years. If anyone's wondering, we better tell we're both married and we're happy and we've, I'm 12 years, Jane's older than 19. me. 19, thank you. And I actually met my husband later in life. I was single in my 30s, which is where I gained a lot of my compassion for uh, for my work that I do as a matchmaker, but also where I wrote a lot of my book, How to Get the Date, because I've been every self-sabotaging girl with love. However, so I am into a long-term relationship. It's what I want, I hope, at this point that, you know, in 20 years we'll still be together, etc. That said, I can't promise that and neither can my husband. He can't promise that to me either. We don't know what the future holds. Relationships break down. Pain gets so painful that people can't stay in that relationship. And I am the first one that will say to all of my girlfriends, if their marriage is in trouble, I'm going to help them and I'm, you know, I want them to get great therapy. I want them to do everything they can to repair and heal the marriage. If they can't and they've given it their absolute best shot, I'm the first to pack their bags and help them move out and set up shop. So yeah, this is this is what I meant earlier when I said we're in a society where we give up a bit too quickly. Like if you really want to go waltzing out the door with something that looks a bit hotter and drives a better car or whatever it is, have you really given it a go? By which I mean you and your partner, by which I probably mean you. Have you really looked at your stuff? Well, it was interesting too with these two people that I, I had helped to get, you know, through their little challenge with the partner cyber flirting was, you know, I said, it's time for, you know, your regular date nights. We've talked about this sort of stuff before in other podcasts about getting on the same page, but it was also time to have intimate conversations because going out and having an affair is about external physical validation. And so what is it that you can bring into the marriage to give that to your partner? How is it that your partner's not being seen, felt, heard, desired? What is it that you can do? Can you spice up things for the relationship? So really look at 
have the conversation about what is it that you would like? What is it that you would desire? What is it that you would want for your partner? What is it that you can give to your partner? And once you have that open, beautiful, trusting, healthy conversation, the chances are you're likely to get back on the same page. Jane directed you earlier to the podcast we did a few weeks ago, The Four Stages of a Relationship, and I'm just realising there's actually so much content in that podcast which overlaps this one because I'm going to direct people back to it again. In the in the fourth stage of the relationship, which is the longevity and where you really have to do that garden work, the gardening and the building and the helping the flowers to grow and constantly come back every season, keep blossoming, keep flourishing. Um, and we talked about some of the tools and tricks here that you can do to add some more of that, whether it's passion or deeper feelings or communication or whatever's kind of lacking with the person you've been with just for way too long or whatever or maybe maybe it hasn't been that long you've been with them but you've never really had it there are ways we talked about you know writing down little gratitude journals and making lists for each other of the things that you love to do and he loves to do uh so that you make sure that you do stuff on his list every day for him and he does stuff on your list every day for you there's ways we can top up and fill each other's love tanks we can read gary chapman's five love languages we can work out what our partner's love language is and many marriages have been saved this way marriages that were on the brink of ending after 25 years because the two partners just weren't speaking each other's same love language. That's right, so powerful. There is such a lot of stuff that you can do and it's easy. This isn't hard work. This is fun work. This is about connecting with someone that you've got deep, rich history with, that you have loved. No doubt you still do love but you're a bit bored or you know maybe the grass is greener. I've got to tell you, rarely, now sometimes it is, However, rarely is the grass greener on the other side. Now, when we've got a majority of people believing that the grass is greener, but the facts are that the minority, the grass is greener, we've got delusion. So this is about changing delusion to reality of really looking at what is it that you're giving up? What is it that you potentially think you can get from someone else that you can't get from your existing relationship or even better that you can't give to yourself? Yeah, and maybe you've got to get a bit real with pen and paper here because this might be about sitting down with your own self in some quiet, reflective time and actually, you know, writing down, what am I really unhappy about with my partner? What is it that's really lacking? And, and you know, target each of those things one by one and work your way through that list. You know, maybe you need couples counselling. Maybe it's not that dramatic. Maybe you just need a hobby because you're too invested in him and he can't cut it or something. I don't know. But it's going to be different in every single scenario. But until you actually look some of those demons between the eyes it's it's all too easy to just throw it all in and run away or try fantasy 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 it's all too easy just to chuck it in and go go what is perceived to be the easy path but you know in all life growth and in all emotional work when we are called to get real it is about going inside making your list of what needs work and then going to your practitioners, your modalities, your techniques, whatever it is that you're going to use to work on each one of those points together or alone. And as you're working on your inner game, really use, you know, we always talk about inner game and outer game. So your outer game is if you really are feeling vulnerable and tempted to have an affair, don't put yourself in that situation. Get off Facebook. Get off online wherever it is that you're, whatever it is that you're chatting and flirting. Just don't do the girls' nights out at the local pub or wherever it is that you go where you could be potentially meeting people that could tempt you. Make sure that you're putting good external barriers in place instead while you're working through this vulnerable point. And finally, know that this is normal. 
Your marriage is not in trouble if you are seeking this external validation. It is you that is needing the self-love. It is you that is needing something that potentially you can give to yourself or your partner can. So don't see it as a massive red flag that it's all over Red Rover, get out of the marriage, it's done and dusted. Now that said, let's very quickly before we finish up, Jane, look at the fact that there are definitely, and I'm thinking of a particular couple in mind here, couples who've done the marriage thing and done the kids thing. They might still only be in their 30s, late 30s, let's say, and the marriage is there. Well, someone else has crept in, marriage has ended, and two of them have gone off and live, really have lived happily ever after. I've now, got loads of clients like abstacts. Well, this is, this is divorce and remarriage. This yeah. is this is the world we're living in. But the question is, Jane, then how does somebody know if their marriage really is over when when can you know that you're not just chucking it in too easy you really should walk out I think when you know that you genuinely have tried everything that you know and by that not just what you know but you have seeked expert external help so you've had the therapist the marriage counselor the the whatever uh, tribe of support people that you go to that you have listened to them you've tried everything and you're miserable. You've given it 120% yeah. over a considerable period of time. Yeah, look, one of the things we don't want is regrets in life. So what you want to make sure is that you don't regret the decision to end a marriage. You want to know that in one year, five years, ten years' time, you're going to look back and say, you know what, actually my marriage had many great years. It didn't end up great. However, I absolutely gave it my best shot, and I'm happy that you know I've moved on to a different tomorrow. Right. Beautiful. I think we might just about end it there, Jane. If you'd like to continue this discussion on Facebook, or maybe you wouldn't in case your partner sees, but you can, <laughs> facebook.com slash love hyphen life. Um, Jane and I will, of course, be back on the couch next week. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. We've loved talking to you today. See you next time. Have a fabulous day. Life is perfect. I'm not trying. It's just happening. And it's a beautiful day.